the Lord Jehovah, he has spoken with me. And he has spoken with me about the glorious coming of the Messiah. And there are very important issues I'm going to underscore here. In the Lord speaking with me about the coming of the Messiah, you will find out as I begin to speak to you what he has said, you will find out that there is an instruction that the Lord is giving the church. And you'll find that that instruction has to be implemented now at this hour in the church. Hallelujah. So I will begin with the first conversation, the conversation that gave birth to the revival, the glory that you see. The Lord, when he came to speak with me about the coming of the Messiah, what did the Lord say? I'm going to describe a small vision here. But inside that vision is going to be in the instruction and the message for today to the church. Now, it was November 1, 2006, quite some time back, when God the Father came to speak with me about the glorious coming of the Messiah. What did the Lord say? Look at this vision. In that conversation, I found myself in a vision. And look at what happened. In that vision, I was looking up into the sky. And as I was looking up into the sky, the sky was dark. Absolute darkness consumed the sky. And as darkness was in the sky, then all of a sudden, heaven opened into the dark sky. And when heaven opened into the dark sky, I was amazed because this is what I saw. I was able to see inside heaven and I saw the glory of Jehovah inside heaven. And when I saw the glory inside heaven, I saw that the glory was moving like a cloud like this and going through the space, the expanse of heaven, doing its duty inside heaven. And then, as I continued looking there, then I was shocked. The glory of the Lord was moving around heaven. And as the glory of the Lord moved around heaven, the entrance to heaven is already open. And the way it opened, roll away. And then, I saw now the glory of the Jehovah beginning to come out of heaven into the dark sky. And when the glory of the Lord began to enter the dark sky, I saw something else. I saw the power of God. Why? Because when the glory began to descend from inside heaven, then I saw that the glory of Jehovah was chasing away the darkness that was in the sky, was colonizing the darkness that was in the sky, was conquering the darkness that had taken the sky, was overthrowing the darkness, overthrowing. You call it a coup d'etat. Coup d'etat, coup d'etat. When you overthrow a government, when one government is overthrown, it's called a coup d'etat. Hallelujah. So, overthrowing the darkness in the sky. And then the sky began to have light. 
And that light began to reach the earth. Listen to this now. As that continued, then the Lord made me look back inside heaven. And the more I looked inside heaven, then I saw another color, a golden color, within the brilliance of the glory of God. I saw something golden in color. And when I looked at that thing, I realized it was becoming bigger and bigger, larger and larger. Why? Because it was coming down towards the entrance that was open. And when that golden thing came to the entrance, then I realized they were two beautiful golden wedding rings. And I described those rings, but look at what the Lord did. The Lord, he made those rings very identical, the spiritual wedding rings that he lowered into the sky. And then when he placed them at the entrance, he began to flip them in the opposite directions. And the purpose of doing that was that I may be able to look and see the details of the beautiful spiritual wedding rings that heaven had placed at the entrance. Now, as that continued, I saw the design, the design of the wedding rings of heaven. And I saw that the design of the wedding rings in this vision, the spiritual wedding rings of heaven, I saw that their design was antique, old. Hallelujah. As I looked at the design, I realized it's not for this time. Ancient. Why? Because the wedding rings he showed me were round, round. And the place that shows when you wear the ring, the part that shows like this, was almost plateau, a little plateau, a little flat. And there was a different type of gold there, like diamond, because it was shining like this. So the Lord was flipping the two in the opposite directions, which allowed me to see the details of the design, the secrets of heaven, now released to man. And I was seeing these things. And then after that, the voice of the Lord now spoke from heaven. And the voice said, From today on, all authority in heaven and authority on the earth has been given to Christ Jesus. And that, when I heard that voice, that totally changed how I looked at those rings again. Because he said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to Christ Jesus. So for me, when I looked at the rings now, after the voice of Jehovah has spoken, then I realized that these glorious golden wedding rings actually represent the authority of Christ. Hallelujah. Now I understood it differently. Now I began to understand that this is the representation of the authority of the Messiah. And I am going to explain to you in a short while, you are going to understand why I've said that. Why they represent the authority of the Messiah. Now, 
silence consumed the sky another silencio silence again still tilting the wedding rings slowly in opposite opposite direction and the lord made me know that the two rings were very identical identical like twins that if you put a mirror here you will see this ring this way the level of identity that cannot be achieved in this lifetime and then after that the voice spoke a second time what did the voice say when the voice spoke a second time he said look and see who is seated on the white horse white horse and i remember when i looked through that entrance now slightly above the two wedding rings slightly above on the inside of heaven near the entrance near the wedding ring slightly above i saw the most powerful the most glorious the most mighty white horse of heaven step by step hallelujah now listen to this now when the voice spoke and said look and see who is seated on the white horse and i remember when i looked up slightly above the two wedding rings then i saw the most powerful the most glorious the mightiest white horse of heaven and let me discuss with you this now the horse the white horse of heaven it is not the horse that you know is a huge horse i remember when i looked at him the first thing that shocked me was his sheer size size big horse just the size alone made me fear tremble because he's huge and then he is white pure white and glorious so i could see that and then when i was looking at him when i looked at that horse as the lord commanded me i did not understand the message why because i looked at him then i wondered what is the message until i saw his behavior when i looked at his behavior this is what i saw i saw the white horse of heaven he was lifting his front legs and he was crying crying in english they said the neighing of the horse there is a way the horses cry he was neighing he was crying when he was doing that his tail the tail he was wagging the tail like this and he was doing like this in fact at one point he began to run run like this inside heaven like this like this like this then i understood the message why because the lord when he made me see him doing his legs like this and running around like this then he made me panic panic in other words telling me that look the white horse of heaven is about to be released is about any moment now will be released hallelujah and look at this now the voice said look and see who is seated on the white horse and now when he was running around then i saw that on him was covered the glory of the lord the lord was there the glory of, i saw the glory of the lord hallelujah and then i woke up so that is where i want to begin this conversation
between God the Father and the church. Hallelujah. Now listen to me. Now, when the Lord Jehovah, he showed me the spiritual golden wedding rings of heaven and the white glorious host of heaven. What is the message to the church? Listen, precious people. We are going to go to the Bible very briefly. But before we do that, listen to me. I have been all over the world with this message. And I have seen the condition of the church globally. All the way from New Zealand to Finland up there. All the way from South Korea to Canada on the other side and Brazil, Chile, everywhere. I have seen the condition of the church today. And in seeing the condition of the church, I have now understood better the significance, the gravity of this message to bring restoration to the church. Hallelujah. So now, every time the Lord speaks, it's important you understand in the Bible, when you have your Bible, the Old Testament, the New Testament, every time you see the Lord speaking in the Bible here, you will always find one common benchmark, denominator, in that conversation before I give you the revelation on this. And that common denominator is this. You will always hear the Lord when he speaks. You will hear him centralizing the holiness of God in the life of man. The righteousness of God in the life of the church. Hallelujah. And so these are common principles that we must adhere to before I give this revelation here. So every time the Lord speaks, if you read the Bible, you will always hear the Lord drawing his people to holiness, to righteousness. Even when he spoke with Israel, the conversation was centered around holiness to say that, look, I am holy. Be holy for I am holy. Hallelujah. Listen, precious people. The Bible, the Bible promises that the Messiah who left would come back. Hallelujah. The Bible promises that the Messiah would come back. And I want to share with you step by step. Listen to this now. When Jesus had completed the work on the cross, and then he took the disciples, he came back, he resurrected, and he took the disciples, he took them to the Mount of Olives. And when they climbed the western slopes, western slope, which is facing the eastern gate of Jerusalem, they went on top and slightly on the eastern slopes. Then he stood there with his nail-pierced hands. And when he stood there, Jesus lifted up his hands, the nail-pierced hands, like this, to bless them. And when he was blessing them, a cloud came and took him like this and covered him inside heaven and when that happened the disciples were shocked they were perplexed confused afraid in fear because he was taken in their eyes that is the time when two appeared and they stood there and they asked them men of galilee 
Why do you stand here so afraid? Why do you stand here so perplexed? Don't you know that this same Jesus who has been taken away from you like this will come back in the same way? The Bible promises that Jesus would come back. Hallelujah. Can we read some scriptures about it? And then I'll be able to define to you which one of the two coming backs I have come to announce. Because you'll find that there are two coming backs. Which one have I come to discuss here? But first, let us read the promise in the Bible about the Messiah coming. The book of Acts chapter 1. The book of Acts chapter 1 verse 11. I'm going to read from verse 10. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going when suddenly two dressed in white stood beside them. Verse 11. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. So, the Bible promises that Jesus the Messiah would come back. Hallelujah. That is why the Lord has been speaking with me about this conversation and this visitation. He says, the Bible promises that the Messiah who went will one day come back. Can I read another scripture? The book of Colossians chapter 3 verse 4. Colossians. I'm reading from verse 3. He said, for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. John 14, 1 to 3. Then I will explain. Don't worry. He says, Do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. Verse 2. In my father's house, there are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I am going there to prepare a place for you. Verse uh, 3, he says, And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. Then he says, You know the way to where I am going. You know the way to where I am going. Hallelujah. Now listen to this now. Those scriptures I've read, they promise that the Messiah would come back. And when he comes back, in John 14 he says, he would take you. And that you also may be where he is. Hebrews chapter 9, 28. Even that promises the coming of the Messiah. So, the Bible promises that the Messiah would come. However, when you and I look at the Bible, you will see two comebacks too. Which one am I talking about? You will see one which is in the book of Revelation chapter 16 verse 15. Revelation 16 verse 15. And then I will be able to give you the message. There is one coming back there. This is what he says. Behold, I come like a thief... 
Blessed is he who stays awake and keeps his clothes with himself. And then he says, so that he may not go naked and be shamefully exposed. That is one coming back. He says, like a thief. And meaning, people will not be aware. The way a thief comes, he does not announce. He surprises you. And he says, blessed is he who stays awake and keeps his clothes with himself. That he may not be put to shame. Hallelujah. But there is another coming back. Let me read it, then I will explain to you which one I have come to announce here today. Revelation chapter 1 verse 7. Another coming back, then I will explain to you. He says, Revelation 1 7. He said, look, he is coming with the clouds and every eye will see him. Even those who pierced him and all the peoples of the earth will mourn because of him. So shall it be. Amen. I have said that the Bible promises that the Messiah would come back. And we have read the two coming backs. The one we read first, he comes like a thief. Surprise. The one we read now, 1-7, he says, he comes and every eye will see him. And he says, even those who pierced him, meaning the enemies of God, everybody, even the enemies of God. So which coming of the Messiah have I come to announce to this nation? I have come to announce to this nation the coming of the Messiah at the midnight hour like a thief. Hallelujah. Out of the two, this is the one I have come to announce. And I don't know how you call it in this country. Some people call it the return of the Christ. Some people call it the coming of the Messiah. Some people call it the day of the Lord. Some people call it the rapture of the church. But I want to tell you what the Bible calls it. The Bible calls it the day of the wedding of the Lamb of God. The Bible calls it the day of the wedding of the Lamb of God. It is so powerful that every time the Lord speaks, you and I should be able to align it with Scripture, with the Bible, with the Word. It is so powerful because of the current condition of the church globally where there is so much deception in the church. It is so powerful that whenever the Lord speaks, you and I must find it in the Bible, must align it with Scripture. In fact, if the church, if the pastors had bothered if they had taken some effort to make sure that every time somebody comes to you and says God has spoken, if the pastors had made an effort to always verify with the word, then nobody can ever lie to the church. Hallelujah. That is why I come. I come with a broom to clean up the church. But in that cleaning of the church, he's saying that every time the Lord speaks, you must go to the Bible 
and find it. And if you find it, there also is the message, the instruction. Hallelujah. And so, let us now go to the Bible and see what does the Bible say about this vision of the two golden glorious wedding rings and the white horse. So turn with me now to the book of Revelation chapter 19. We are reading only three verses. Verse 6 to verse 9. Revelation chapter 19. Verses 6 to verse 9. Listen to what he says, verse 6. He says, Then I heard what sounded like a great multitude, like the roar of rushing waters, and like loud peals of thunder, shouting, Hallelujah! For our Lord God Almighty reigns. Hallelujah! He's saying in verse 6, that he heard... Like the roar of rushing waters, grand multitude, loud peals of thunder. He is describing the historic celebration he saw. The historic felicitation and jubilation he heard and saw. Historic. And then now, verse 7 he begins to talk about the reason. The reason there is historic celebration in the kingdom of God. The reason. Verse 7. He says, Let us rejoice and be glad and give him glory. For the day of the wedding of the Lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready. Ready. Hey. He's saying, that there was a historic celebration in the kingdom of God. But look at this. He's saying that the reason they are celebrating is because there is a day. There is a day that God has put aside. God has put that day apart, aside. There is a day that the Lord has separated. And he said, let us rejoice and be glad and give him glory. For that day has arrived. Finally has arrived. Meaning, they waited for too long for that day to come. And finally, that day has arrived. And he's saying, when that day arrives, that is the reason they celebrate. Because they have waited too long for it. But look at the real underlying reason. Is that when that day finally arrives. When heaven looked at the church. The day arrives and heaven look at the church. Look at the bride of Christ. They found... That she is ready. Did you understand? And this is very big. He's saying that there is a special day that God in heaven, God the Father, has put aside as a special day. And he's saying that when that day arrives and there will be a historic explosion of celebration. 
And he's saying that the real reason why that celebration will take place in heaven is because when that awaited day arrives and they look at the church of Christ, the bride of Christ, they will see that she's ready, then they will celebrate. <laughs> but how does heaven know that the church is ready? Can we come to the next verse? Hallelujah. Let us read the next verse. Verse 8. He says, Fine linen, bright and clean, was given her to wear. And he says, Fine linen stands for the righteousness of the church. He's saying, When that day arrives, and then God in heaven, heaven looks at the church. And find that the church is ready. There will be historic celebration. Meaning, like has not happened before. Why? Because we know that the Messiah went to the cross. We know that. And he suffered abuse. Abused. Tortured. The Messiah suffered too much. But listen to this. When you look at the way the Lord is describing this day. The real underlying reason for their celebration is when they look at the church in this nation and find that the church is ready. But how do they know that the church is ready? He's saying that when heaven looks at the church on that day and find that the church is wearing fine linen, bright and clean then they will celebrate because now they know she's ready are you understanding this now and i'm walking with you step by step because i wanted to catch everything this is so powerful it brought this revival it's so big oh, he's saying that when heaven will see the church wearing a garment and that garment is called fine linen, bright and clean, bright. Then there will be celebration unstoppable. Hallelujah. Listen to this now. Listen to me carefully. And then he says that that garment is actually the righteousness of the church. Righteousness. Do you now understand why I have come? I have been all over the world taking this announcement here, this message here, to the whole earth. Listen to me. I have seen the condition of the church. World over, I have seen the condition of the church. But what have I seen? What have I seen about the church? I have seen that in their worship, worship, there is one thing the church lacks, does not have. Does not have. And that thing is called righteousness, holiness. That is the thing the church lacks. Even in this land, 
for the Lord to finally send somebody and say, hey, let us stop and go back to righteousness. Let us stop and return to holiness. What a mighty day. Because this is what is lacking in the whole world right now. Righteousness. Can I continue? So he's saying that he has sent me to you here. Precious nation. He's saying that in that vision, there is an instruction. He's saying, fine linen, bright and clean. Meaning, he has sent me to tell the people of this nation that I know that you love Jesus. I know that this country has a history, a history of loving Jesus. You have a history of loving Jesus, this nation. But he's saying that that Jesus you love is coming. And when he comes, there is a certain way in which the church must prepare. Hallelujah. That is why I'm here. That you may prepare. The king is coming. Now look at this. And then, you hear that there is a garment the church must wear a garment meaning that when the lord has sent me here he has sent me with an instruction the instruction is about the garment meaning the standard standard of god in hebrews chapter 12 verse 14 he says Make every effort to live in peace with all men and to be holy. And he says, For without holiness, nobody will see the Lord. Did you understand? That is so powerful. Because God of heaven is now giving the instruction to the church. And he's telling the church, that I know you love Jesus. I know you go to church. I know you worship. I know you are born in a Christian family. He's saying, but none of the above will save you on that day. He's saying that when that day arrives, there is a standard. Not set up by the European Union. Not set up by the United Nations Security Council. Not set up by the World Bank, the IMF. No. But the standard of that day has been set up by God. God. Meaning we must fulfill that standard. We must obey that standard. That is why I've come. In the Bible it is called awakening the church. Listen to me very carefully now. I now want to walk with you into this garment. How you can know this garment. How you can prepare for this garment. We are not reading Isaiah 53. But in Isaiah chapter 53. You see how the Lord travailed. Travailed on the cross to prepare the garment. On the cross. Isaiah 53. In the book of Psalm 22. You see the price, the cost, the price that the Messiah paid.
paid to give you the garment free of charge. You see the price. So, this garment is given to the church on the day she receives Jesus. But the question is, has the church maintained this garment fine linen, bright and clean? One of the things you hear about this garment is the following. He says, fine linen, bright and clean, bright. Meaning, you and I, based on the Bible, what the Bible describes the garment. You and I, if we are standing here and somebody is wearing that garment, we should all be able to see it obvious like this. Meaning it is obvious. He's saying, in other words, it is not hidden. You cannot hide it. Meaning, if somebody is wearing the garment for the coming of the Messiah, everybody can see, wow, that person, bright and bright, is wearing the garment. It is not undercover. Meaning, that is how the church evangelizes Jesus now. He's saying that that garment, I am now characterizing that garment. I'm characterizing. He's saying that garment is the righteousness of the church. Righteousness. Your holiness. At this hour, when the world right now is very evil. He's saying, but for you who are preparing for the Messiah, this is when your holiness is highest. Very high. Listen to this. That garment. That garment. Read with me the book of Romans chapter 5 verse 15. Hallelujah. Let us read the book of Romans chapter 5 verse 15 to 17. He says here, But the gift is not like the trespass, for if the many died by the trespass of one man, how much more did God's grace and gift that came by the grace of one man, Jesus Christ, overflow to the many. Verse 16. Again, the gift of God is not like the result of the one man's sin. The judgment followed one sin and brought condemnation, but the gift followed many trespasses and brought justification. For if by the trespass of the one man, death reigned through that one man, how much more will those who receive God's abundant grace and of the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ? Consequently, just as the result of one trespass was condemnation for all men, so also the result of one act of righteousness was justification that brought life for all men. For just as through the disobedience of one man, the many were made sinners, also through the obedience of one man, many will be righteous. Hallelujah. Can I explain this? So, he's telling this church, 
that on the cross Jesus purchased the garment at Calvary. But he's saying that that garment is of divine origin. He's saying that that garment came from God. The garment of righteousness. He's saying that the righteousness that the church needs to be wearing now. That righteousness is from divine, from God. And he's saying that God set up that standard. So you cannot tell me that for us we have our own standard. No. If there is a holiness that God has spoken to me, holiness, to announce to all the nations, then that holiness must be found here also. Meaning, if God has told me that right now, the women should stop wearing short dresses, short skirts that expose their nakedness in the church, then he's saying that even in the church, that sin must be removed. If he's saying that there is a gospel of postmodernism that must be removed from the house of the Lord, the gospel that accepts homosexuals as pastors, that must be removed from worship, then that means even in the church, that standard remains. That righteousness has come from God. It is not set by us. Why? Why do we have to obey? Why? Why do we have to obey this standard of God? He's saying from the scripture we read that it is that righteousness from heaven that made us as the church. We who do not, mere mortals, mere mortal, made the human being who cannot buy anything from heaven, we. We cannot afford anything from heaven. But he's saying that that righteousness from God is what has justified the church. Justified. It is not ours. Now, we who did not deserve, we did not deserve. We did not deserve anything. But he's saying that owing to the death of Jesus on the cross and his resurrection for us, now that standard of righteousness, we can also claim it because we are now justified. If we are justified, if we are justified to stand before God, and claim the righteousness of God in our lives. Then in other words he's saying. That that righteousness from God divine origin. Has also sanctified the church. Sanctified. So that is one of the features of the garment of God. That is one of the ways for preparing. Meaning when you prepare. You depend on no human being. You only depend on God. Because he's saying, he said, be careful with this. If you read, we are not reading, but if you read later, Matthew 25, 
you find that each person must prepare by themselves. You find that you cannot prepare as a nation, as a group. You can begin as a person and another person prepare and the whole nation prepare. That is called revival. That is alright. But each person will stand alone, alone before the Lord. I want to move on to something very important. I have said that this garment was received by grace and mercy. By grace and mercy. Now, I want to read something else about this garment. From the book of Revelation chapter 3. Hallelujah. Revelation chapter 3, verses 4 to 5. He says, You have only a few people in Sardis who have not soiled their clothes. Again, let me repeat this. Yet you have a few people in Sardis who have not soiled their garments. They will walk with me dressed in white for they are worthy. Verse 5 now, he says, He who overcomes will like them be dressed in white. I will never blot out his name from the book of life but will acknowledge him and his name before my father and his angels just that you may understand the gravity of what god has sent me to announce to this country look at this now this garment the lord by reading this scripture here revelation chapter 3 4 to 5 you begin to understand that this garment can be lost you can lose it and that is the tragedy of the church listen to this he's saying you can have the garment but if you soil it you have lost it even zechariah chapter 3 verse 4 zechariah chapter 3 verse 4 hallelujah Zechariah chapter 3 verse 4. Look at what he says. Now Joshua was dressed in filthy clothes as he stood before the angel. And the angel said to those standing before him, take off his filthy clothes. And then they did that. Listen to me. In Revelation chapter 3 verses 4 to 5. We have now seen the first characteristic of that garment. He's saying that you can be given, you can have it, but be careful, you can lose it. And in Zechariah, we've seen the same thing. Joshua in Zechariah chapter 3 represents Jerusalem, or God's elect, God's chosen elect. And he's saying, given a priestly garment like Joshua was, because if you read there, you hear the turban, turban. And inside that turban was a writing in gold, holy unto the Lord, holy unto the Lord. That turban. The turbano is the symbol of priesthood. Listen to this now. And then Joshua there lost his garment because of sin. So when he stood, the garment was filthy. And when you read further there, you'll hear, you actually hear the devil 
coming there to claim right over Joshua. Claim right. And then the Lord rebukes Satan there. You see that? In Sardis, the same. Sardis. Revelation chapter 3, Sardis. Listen to this now. He says, However, there are few people in Sardis who have not soiled the garment. Meaning, they have not compromised their work. Meaning, they have maintained the garment, maintained. Fine linen, bright and clean. And because they have maintained their garment, fine linen, bright and clean, now they will walk with the Messiah. Meaning, this garment has power and capacity to admit you to walking with the Lord on that day. Hey, power and capacity. But listen to this. He says, and those who don't soil their garment like these ones, they will also be overcomers. Hey, excuse me. Pardon? He's saying overcomers. Meaning, this garment alone that Jesus gave to you, that today we have come to prepare in this country, this garment gives us capacity, gives us power to overcome the sin of this world. That is powerful. Then let the church know where their power is. Let the church know how you can defeat homosexuality. Let the church know how you can overcome immorality. Let the church in this land know how you can overcome apostasy. Because he's saying that when Jesus finished his ministry on the earth, he told the church that I have overcome. I have overcome. Meaning, Jesus has defeated the sin of this world. And now he's telling us that those who keep their garment, if you keep your garment fine linen, bright and clean, you also like the ones of Sardis, the few people, that you also will be an overcomer. When you wear this garment today, righteousness, righteousness, when you wear it today, you will overcome the sin of this world. Ah, what a mighty garment. Listen to this now. If you read on Revelation chapter 3, we are reading 3 to 4. You can read up to 5 and 6 if you want. Because I want to introduce you to a book. I want to introduce you to a book. So you can see the power of righteousness. The power of this garment. What it can do to you. Beginning today. We will never go back to sin. Because we are now understanding 
the gravity, the gravity of righteousness. Ah, the Lord at this hour is now removing the church from sin and returning the church to righteousness. In other words, the Lord is taking the weak, weak church, weak. The church that has no power and is giving her back power. And he's saying that that power is righteousness. It is holiness. Because he's saying that whoever walks in righteousness, which is the garment of the Lord, he says, they will have power to overcome. Power to overcome. That is mighty. Let me talk about a book. A book. Revelation chapter 3. Then he says, I will never blot out his name from the book of life, but I will acknowledge his name before my father and his angels. Whoever keeps the garment, the garment that we received from Calvary, the garment that when somebody is wearing, it is obvious, you will just see. It is bright, you see it. Oh, he's saying that when you wear that garment, righteousness. Then Jesus himself says, for those who have kept their garment clean, without sin, they have guarded it like this. He says, for them, I will never ever blot out their name from the Lamb's book of life. Oh, hallelujah. Eh, the power of righteousness. God is awakening the church, awaking and telling them where their power is actually staying. Where their power is. He's saying the power is in holiness. No other place. Isn't that incredible? When you see so much abortions in the church, homosexuality in the church, and you think that the church is defeated, no power, and then the Lord now comes and says, No, you were given power at Calvary, and that power is not political power. It is not economic power. It is not philosophical power. It is not psychological power. That power is righteousness. And he's saying, go back. Go back. Go back to righteousness. That is where your power is. That's where your strength is. That is where your eternity is. So listen, precious people. At this time, this is yet another real opportunity for this country to begin a new journey to enter into this latter revival. This revival is the revival of righteousness. That righteousness cannot come except that we repent 
and turn away from sin in the church. So those of you who feel in your heart that this is the moment when you want to return to the Lord, lift up your hands. Jesus died on the cross on the hill that everybody may see him taking you. So let us not be ashamed of lifting our hands. Let us lift up all our hands unto him as a sign of accepting him. Surrendering to him. Say, precious Jesus, I recognize your power and authority. The power of the cross and the blood. Lord, today I come before you and repent from sin. And I ask you, my Lord, to set me apart from sin and establish righteousness in my life and establish my name in the book of life of God and fill me with your anointing now. Fill me with the Holy Spirit and use me in this latter revival in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen.